Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Over with me today, Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. Hello. We're Book Club of Games. And today we are... Surprise! Today we're going to talk about Metroid Dread. No spoilers. No spoilers. This is going to be a spoiler-free discussion of Metroid Dread. And there'll be a spoiler-filled one coming later. So it's a two-parter. Yeah, we're going to do a two-parter for this. Let's start with a bit of history. I think, Mike, you're the. This is your rodeo. Yeah, you know how does this fit into the series? Where's it? Where is it in the series chronology? You know, this is this is chronologically the furthest we've got in the Metroid timeline. Although, actually, I, who knows where Metroid Prime Four is going to land? But yeah, Metroid Dread is a direct chronological sequel to Metroid Fusion, and. Metroid Fusion was released 19 years ago. That's pretty crazy. You know, 2002 was Metroid 4 and 2021 is Metroid 5. Though I don't think it was meant to be this long of a gap since Metroid Dread was kind of sort of announced all the way back in 2005. Official Nintendo Magazine actually had it on their release calendar as a DS game coming out in 2006. But at some point they just dropped it and it was never mentioned again. So evidently, you know, it was cancelled. And then there was another attempt to make it in 2008. And I think some, some people may have seen it behind closed doors. But again, it never officially saw the light of day and was canned again. So... Yeah, finally, finally, we've got Metroid Dread and Yoshio Sakamoto, who is the co-creator of the Metroid series and like the architect behind the recent games. He has said that, you know, the concept of a dreadful enemy, which evidently is the Emmy in this one, has been around since that very first iteration. You know, that was kind of his vision for like the next Metroid game for Metroid Dread. And it couldn't really be realized with the hardware previously like the ds he felt couldn't really do it and now yeah this is the first time you know they've been able to actually really make something that was true to what he wanted to make so this version of dread is made by mercury steam who are the company behind the 2017 remake of metroid 2 samus returns and it's like like metroid Metroid always feels a little bit neglected. I don't know. Maybe I'm just 
maybe I just want more Metroid. I don't know. <laughs> Since, you know, it's one of the foundational Nintendo games, I think, right? On, on, the, on the Famicom or the NES, you had Mario, you had Zelda, and you had Metroid. And then Mario and Zelda have had way more love than Metroid. Though then again, there was also Kid Icarus, which kind of just literally got no attention at all. So at least it got, you know, at least it got more attention than that. I think anecdotally, the reason is that the Metroid games don't sell very well in Japan. Yeah. And those who do want it, you know, in the West, we definitely, you know, you're not alone in thinking it's, it needs more attention, more games. Dread has done very well, though, hasn't it? Like, Dread has topped sales charts. It has. Is it the best-selling Metroid game in the UK? Can I say that? Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure in the UK that is true, yes. I think it is breaking records for the Metroid franchise. Okay, so what is your experience with the Metroid series, Ting? My experience with the Metroid series starts with Metroid Prime. So I've not played any of the 2D Metroid games, even though you keep harping on about them. I've not played any until now. So everything, my context is 3D Metroid. But after playing Dread, it makes me really appreciate that transition from 2D to 3D, which everyone was making a big deal out of when Nintendo transitioned all their franchises from 2D to 3D. The map in Metro Prime is really good, but you might tell me the map in 2D Metroids are even better. You know, there's there's a reason why they're so good in their 3D iteration. And I'm really looking forward to Metroid Prime 4, which you may not care about. Yeah, it's funny because I think our experiences are like almost opposite because I have only really... Well, wait, so you played Prime, but have you played Prime 2 and 3? No, I've not played Prime 2 and 3. Okay, but you finished Prime. I finished Prime, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I have played Prime, but I didn't finish it. I, I got pretty far. But yeah, but, I mean, my memory of it is that like I got all the beams and I got all the visors, but I didn't, I didn't get to the end. I think I was probably on like the horrible artifact hunting bit of it. Anyway, that's an aside. So for me, Metroid is primarily a... 2D series you know I haven't played Prime 2 or 3 either and the first Metroid game I really played was Super Metroid you know like although I say I really like the Metroid games I think I only really really like Super Metroid to me Super Metroid is like really up on a pedestal you know it's up on a pedestal at the top of a mountain you know surrounded by some glowing aura with people like singing and bowing to it and then all the other Metroid games are kind of like somewhere down at the bottom I have played the original NES Metroid, I have played the Game Boy Metroid 2, but hardly any of each of them. And I didn't particularly enjoy them either. Like Metroid 1 was just kind of annoying and not fun. Obviously, I played it, you know, years and years after it came out. And then, you know, the Game Boy Metroid 2, I played a tiny amount on a school trip. Like I randomly, someone gave me the cart while we were on the coach, you know, to some... I, I don't even know where we're going. This is so long ago. And I played it for like an hour or two. So I have very limited experience with those prior games. But yeah, I, I played Super Metroid. I finished it. I've played Zero Mission. I've played Fusion. 
though I don't think they're as good as Super. So, yeah, that's that's my experience. Oh, and there's Other M as well, which I haven't played, which I think is probably for the best. Like Other, Other M feels like, from what I know about it, really not a Metroid game. Like it's, it, it felt like it was really doubling down on all the things that the Metroid games kind of should be minimizing. I don't know. It's like sometimes less is more, right? Like it was trying to fill in the backstory and the lore and it's just like, you've made it worse. Great. Oh, and actually probably most crucially, I haven't played the 2017 Samus Returns on the 3DS since I think that game also being made by Mercury Steam is the closest thing in gameplay, in a gameplay sense, to Dread. Since, you know, that's where the melee counter mechanic was first introduced. And that is kind of the signature move, I think, that both Samus Returns and Dread are built around. But but we'll get to that when we talk about the gameplay. Are you interested in going back to that one, Samus Returns? You know... Kind of. I, I actually do have a 3DS. So if I can find a copy of it, I probably should give it a go. Especially since I didn't really play, you know, Metroid 2. So it will be quite fresh anyway. You also have a PC. I mean, <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about that, I thought. Did you not? Did you learn nothing from Kotaku? I'm just pointing out you have a PC. I'm not saying anything else. <laughs> That I do. Okay, and then what do you think about how it looks then? I think it looks good. I don't have enough context. I don't know what a pretty 2D game looks like, but I think it looks like this. Yeah, I, I, I also think it looks good. Like, it actually surprised me, which is all the more surprising given that I had seen, you know, trailer footage and gameplay footage like i'd seen people playing it but it didn't it didn't seem that striking watching those videos but actually sitting down and playing it yeah it 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 surprised me it looks good so i played this on on the handheld in, in handheld mode exclusively and now you mention things like tiny details i don't think the screen really does it justice yeah because as usual i did the exact opposite i've only played this in docked mode so I I was playing this in docked mode sitting on my couch with a pro controller. So I guess I'm I'm seeing all those small background elements. But yeah, it, I think it's a combination of all the attention to detail in the background and also just very subtle things in the movement of Samus and and the characters and everything, you know, the enemies even. Like everything everything just comes together really well you know i think i think when we talked about this before in the you know was it the e3 presentation or technically it wasn't e3 but you know what i mean whenever the treehouse showcase i was saying well i guess that's just how you make a 2.5d game you know these days but they they have managed to like elevate it a level above i think you know like if you if you if you're making a 2d metroidvania I guess you can go down the cartoony route, which is what Hollow Knight does. Or if you're going this polygon route, they, they've really got a lot in there. There's like loads of loads of really nice background elements. I, I should I should be specific rather than just saying the same superlatives over and over again, right? Like there's there's small characters you can see in the background. 
like there'll there'll be something you see in the background and it's just like you see it for a moment and it jumps away or it ducks into a cave and then later on you fight a boss and it's that thing that you saw or samus i guess it's just inverse kinematics but you know if you're walking up steps samus puts her feet correctly on the steps you don't have to do like a little jump she'll like very seamlessly mantle up those steps and if you push her up against a wall you'll see her like aiming her arm cannon through a small gap but her other arm will be resting against the wall you know she'll brace herself against the wall so there's like a specific animation just for that situation there's all these little touches like that does it run at 16 or 13 i think it runs at 60 but the particle effects run at 30, which is kind of weird. If you're looking at it really carefully, it's kind of odd, but when you're just playing it, you don't notice it at all. Digital Foundry did like a, a detailed analysis of the frame rate and stuff. And they there's a bit where they zoom in and they show, you know, Samus up against a wall and there's like some flames coming out of a turret. And you can see like the flames are only animating every other frame. So, you know, if you're looking for it, you can see it. But when you're playing it, you don't notice it. It seems totally seamless and natural. I also, because everything, it does feel very good. Everything's, it feels very responsive. And it's necessary, I think. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we should talk about, we should maybe move on and talk about that then. Yes. The way it controls, the way it feels. Yeah, so, you know, this section, the official title is what gameplay and controls, but but I kind of also wanted to call it Good Stuff, Bad Stuff, and Jaffe Gate, even though that's probably <laughs> being too harsh for David Jaffe. Let's start with controls. Uh, the, <laughs> Metroid makes use of all the bloody buttons. There's like eight buttons, four shoulder buttons, and four face buttons. And you have to use combinations of those. So it's a bit messy <laughs> to start off with. It's so funny because I was about to say, like, they don't make use of all the buttons. Like, there's a whole freaking control stick they're not using. And I want to use that bloody control stick. But, but at the same time, you're right. There's a lot of buttons. It's really fiddly. I found it genuinely frustrating for the first few hours because I kept doing the wrong thing i i don't know what's wrong with me maybe i'm just getting old which is a horrifying thought but i could not seem to push the right button actually you know what this reminds me of a lot it, it reminds me of when i when i played bloodborne where i could just not press the right freaking button either i think there's something about the gameplay that just i, I don't even know like i i found myself 
instead of hitting the melee counter button, instead like pushing the button to activate my missiles or to slide or something, and I'd be just like, uh, you know, like I try and counter, and instead I just shoot a missile, and then just like get smacked in the face, and I'd be like, damn it, and I would do it like many, many times. Like I don't know what was wrong with me, but I really kept pressing the wrong button for hours. That's the face button, right? Yeah, the melee counter is X, the top face button. Yeah, and for some reason, I kept trying to push a shoulder button. I can't help you there. I mean, they're not even as, they're not even close to each other. I know, I know. Actually, do you know what's even funnier is I now now that I think about it more now that we're talking about it, I realise that I was probably pushing the button to parry from Dark Souls. And I realized that in Dark Souls, I had the opposite problem because when I remember when I was playing Bloodborne, I kept pushing triangle, which is the equivalent of X on a, you know, on the switch. And because I remember in Bloodborne, I would kept trying to, par- whenever I meant to parry, I would just use a blood vial on myself instead. And I'd be like, damn it. So I've obviously just like completely learned the wrong, some, for some reason, something's gone wrong in my muscle memory, in my brain. Anyway. I did eventually get over it. I did eventually get over it. But it took a surprisingly long time. And it really is very fiddly because there are a lot of buttons. You really do need to use a lot of buttons. I mean, the thing is, I was I was moaning about it. I, in my own notes that I was making as I went, I was just like, what is wrong with these controls? But then thinking about it, like Super Metroid also has terrible controls. You know, like Super Metroid's controls, I think, are actually even worse in a different way. You know, like, you know, this has a lot of buttons, but at least there's kind of like no context to what you need to do. Whereas like Super Metroid, you're constantly having to like hit select to like choose the right kind of missile or super missile or whatever. So at least you don't have to do that. Everything is immediately accessible to you. You've just got to remember to hit the right button. So what do you want the right stick for? Oh, yeah. This is another one of those like my instincts were all wrong. Like I would I would like it if the right stick did the free aiming so the thing in this game that's different to all of the metroid games that have come before it or mostly super metroid because that's the one i really care about usually you can run and you can aim in eight directions so you know if you're if your control stick's pointing up you'll shoot straight up if you're pointing it diagonally you're going to shoot 45 degrees diagonally otherwise you're going to shoot the direction you're walking right in this game, the aim is free. So if you are running and trying to shoot diagonally, you won't necessarily shoot 45 degrees. You might shoot 30 degrees or 15 degrees. And, and that's better, right? I, I, I can't argue it's better. I, well, actually, is it better? It's 100%. more precise. It's yes. finer. It gives, you, it gives you more opportunities for mastery. Yes. Yes. But what this actually did for me was just miss everything. (laughs) I just, I spent, again, like the first hour or two of the game just missing everything. But, you know, there's a solution for this. There's a button, you can hold it down and you stop moving and then you can aim. But I just, it took me a long time to get used to using that button when I actually needed to really hit something rather than trying to just YOLO it and like free aim it as I went, you know, running past. Because I would just always miss. I could just never seem to get that right. 
How? What is free aim? I don't understand. You can run and shoot at an angle. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What do I mean by these terms I'm using? Yeah. I mean, when I say free aim, I guess I'm. You know, you've got a button that's like aim lock, I guess, rather than free aim. Maybe that's a better way to term it. So, you know, when you're holding L1, like there's a red targeting laser that comes out and you are locked in place. And now the left stick lets you aim in 360 degrees without moving. So when you need to make precision shots, that's what you should use. But when you're not holding L1, you still aim exactly the direction you're pointing the control stick. It's just that you're also moving at the same time. And so if you're trying to shoot diagonally up at something, you've got to be changing your stick direction all the time to keep on target, which is very hard to do. Sounds terrible. I never did that once. Yeah. And I instinctively kept trying to do that because in Super Metroid, the aiming isn't that precise because you're using a D-pad. So you can stand underneath something and you don't have to hold any kind of aim lock button. You can just kind of like point straight up and shoot. But in this, if you try and do that, you end up like wobbling a little bit and shooting five to 10 degrees either side and just missing it. You know, so it was another thing that really frustrated me for a long time. Why well, say a long time? You know, really frustrated me for hours until I just retrained my expectations. And then what I would kind of almost prefer it to do is you've got a right stick that's not really being used. It would have been nice if you could use the right stick to aim and move independently. But then I guess it becomes a twin stick shooter and you'd have to also hold it, you know, hold the control in some sort of bizarre claw grip. So I can see why they wouldn't want to do that. And also it would probably make balancing the game very hard because for people who did use that, they would have a lot more movement options and some fights that are probably quite difficult would become really trivial. But for people who didn't do that, unless they did that, you know, if it was balanced to using that control scheme, the game would become incredibly hard instead. So I can see why they wouldn't go down that route. I still just kind of wish I could do it sometimes to be able to say, like, I want to just aim straight up and still be able to move, you know, and there's no way to do that. Do you need to move and aim up at the same time, really? Sometimes. I, I think there are a bunch of bosses where I'd like to be able to just, you know, lock my aim straight up or lock my aim 45 degrees and still be able to dodge. Okay particularly later on. We, you know, we're not going to talk about that because it's spoiler-free, but there are certainly bosses where I would have liked to be able to lock my aim in a particular direction and still move. We have four shoulder buttons. We have double but shoulder buttons. they're all buttons. used. Do they're you want a triple used. shoulder? You want... I'm trying to remember what they're used for now. <laughs> I think... What's, what's L2 used for? Ball. Morph ball. Oh, yeah. L2 is... Duck slide morph. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We're out of buttons. Do triple shoulder then? Is that what you want? Yeah, let's get, let's get some back paddles. Let's get some oh, back yeah, sorry, paddles. Oh, sorry, back paddles. Sorry, that's more appropriate. Yeah. Something for the future. Okay, sorry. I have one more controls nitpick. Do you like this game? <laughs> Do I like this? Yes. I did like this game. Just checking. So I'm just. I'm just like complaining about all... Of, these are all things, I guess, that really took me hours to get over. Maybe this one didn't take me hours, but this one took me an hour to get over. I don't know. I, I kept flubbing wall jumps. 
because they work the exact opposite way to what I was expecting from Super Metroid. Again, sorry. I, I guess you were completely fine with this because you have no expectations. Yep, fine with this. Yeah, because in Super Metroid, wall jumps are like advanced movement tech and they're completely optional. You know, you don't need to wall jump to finish Super Metroid. And you do a wall jump by like jumping towards the wall. And then just before you touch the wall, you push the opposite direction to the wall, which triggers like a special unique animation if you're close to the wall. And then you can spring off the wall and do a wall jump. And if you try and do that in this, instead you just move away from the wall just a few pixels before you touch it and just don't wall jump at all. And it... <laughs> It took me a while to really just get over my instinct to try and wall jump like this. Because, you know, I guess I spent quite a long time learning to wall jump in Super Metroid reliably. And now it's annoying because it's just like, it's just like worthless knowledge. It was actively unhelpful. Because in this, to wall jump, you have to push into the wall. But that's how they do it in the 2D Mario games, right? The 2D Mario games don't have wall jumping. The new ones do. Do they? I hope so. I mean, I'm not sure now. The, the the 3D Mario games are a different story, but I, I'm actually actively trying to remember what was the last 2D Mario game. So my wall jumping knowledge or ability comes straight from Mario. Yeah. I mean, mine comes from Super Metroid, so. <laughs> <laughs> Which does predate Mario, just, just to be clear. Well, no, it predates Mario 64. To be clear. Okay. My other comment about the war jumps, I guess, is I think war jumps are mandatory in this game. Uh, yes, 100%. Yeah. Whereas I think it's, you know, it's the sort, again, this is the sort of thing where this is why I, I don't know, I should, maybe I shouldn't be giving away my opinion too soon, but, you know, like this is one of the things that made Super Metroid so good. You know, it's like a knowledge checkpoint. It's like hidden in plain sight. It's there the whole time. And you have this ability. And once you know it, you can do things and you can go places that you thought were impossible. But it's entirely optional. You know, I, I whereas like, I don't think this game quite has that same level of hidden in plain sight finesse. Although people have discovered advanced movement tech. That's kind of, I guess, on a similar level, but I'm not sure it's intended, like the pseudo wave stuff. Okay, okay. Anyway, enough of complaining about controls. Melee counters, or parrying, as I've been calling it, because I can't help but compare it to Dark Souls. It's, it's just such a fundamental mechanic in this game. They, they actually really take the time in the tutorial section to make you do it as well like literally like the game stops and shows like the parry flash and it's like you need to push the button now to parry i, I think they do it several times in fact because they're like this is important make sure you remember this is how you parry sorry counter i think samus returns was the same which is where they introduced this mechanic and i actually think it's very good i i think it's really dramatically changed the feel of the game you know like super metroid is very clunky in comparison this feels very fluid like the combat feels very fluid as a result of like running around and like melee countering on the move or like you know 
waiting for that right movement and then jumping in and countering them. And it's also so powerful. Like, you know, you might have to shoot an enemy like 10 times to kill it. But if you counter it, you just shoot it once. Are these regular enemies as well? Yeah, regular enemies too. Like the majority of enemies seem to have a moment where you can counter them. I mean, not literally every enemy, but I think more than half. Did you do that? Did you bother? I mean, it depends on the enemy. But a lot of them, it's really impractical not to take advantage of the counter. Okay. And the bosses, again, without going into too many details, it's kind of mandatory sometimes, which actually kind of annoyed me. Are the counters what trigger the, the cool cutscenes, right? The, the counters are what trigger the cool cutscenes, yes. Kind but, of worth it. Well, no, but that's the thing, you see, if the counters just triggered the cool cutscenes and they were a reward, but that was it, then I'd be like, yeah, counters rock. But the problem is, there are some bosses where the counter is not like an optional mastery thing that gives you a cool cutscene and lets you do a lot of damage. There are some bosses where the counter is mandatory. So you can shoot as many missiles as you like into the boss, but unless you successfully get the counter, the boss fight will never end. Like maybe you haven't got to those. Maybe you everyone, haven't got to any of those yet. But but everyone deserves the cool cutscene, right? That's what. That's fine. <laughs> I, I I think the game would be better if you could just blast them with a hundred missiles, and that also be a way to win. You know, because like. The boss fight just devolves into, you can shoot as much as you like, but doing the required damage only gets you an opportunity to do the counter. And if you flub the counter, you're, you know, you're reset back to square one. Uh, you know, that to me is annoying. And not just because I suck at countering. You know, I got quite good at countering. We, we should wait till part two where I, I share your sentiment. It's going to be very funny. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're saying this now. Just you wait, Ting. Just you wait. You're going to be like, countering is total BS. <laughs> I'm on the bus, I'm trying to do this counter, and yeah, you'll see. But I, I think I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. It really made the game feel like, you know, a Soulsborne game, like, like Bloodborne, right? The flow of combat was very fluid, and like recognising and reacting to those counter moments, especially on the bosses, it made it feel like one of those FromSoft games, which to me was a good thing because I like the FromSoft games, but I can imagine it might be polarizing to some. We, we can talk more about this again in the next one where we can, where, where we can mention specific bosses in a spoilery way. And so we're getting to maybe Metroid's most signature mechanic, hidden walls. How did you feel about this? I felt okay about it until it got me, until I got stuck and couldn't find a hidden wall. We, did we both get stuck on the same one? I'm curious, because I had one moment as well where I didn't spot the hidden wall. The truth is, I never spotted the hidden wall, <laughs> if I'm honest. If it feels like I shot randomly and I kind of made progress. I started shooting things out of frustration. I don't think I ever... <laughs> I just imagine you've been there going like and firing missiles randomly and you're like, oh, oh that's the way. And then you just It should on. be here, guys. It should be here. It's got to the point where, you know, in a point of click adventure, you're just trying everything with everything else. <laughs> yeah. 
Use cheese with train. Use cheese with boot. Use cheese. Yeah. I, I mean, I was fine with it. I, I really do think it's, you know, a really signature mechanic from the Metroid series. And I also, I didn't think it was done, but I thought it was done very well. I actually thought it was quite well telegraphed too. You know, I mean, there was only one moment where I genuinely kind of got stuck and went the wrong way. Because I, I, I guess I shouldn't give too much detail because it is a spoiler-free ep. But I took a train from one zone to another. I thought I was blocked. So I took the train back and I was like, I guess that's, you know, just a side path and I'll go there later. Realized every other way I could go had been blocked off. Like the way I took to get the train, like the door shut behind me and then the other ways were similarly locked off in a very obviously you can't progress this way way. And so I was like, I bet I missed something on that train then. And so I got back on the train and went through the loading zone again. And then when I when I got back to that zone, I was like, oh yeah, I bet there's a hidden wall here. And there was. I mean, that's an absolute disaster. Why why make the player suffer these loading zones? Because you can't... You should guide the player better. Right? Because you, you've given them two areas where the, the next part can be. And then you can end up flip-flopping between these two levels or zones. Yeah, and that's the thing where... I think technology has failed it. I mean, it's okay, actually. In theory, it's okay to have the open, no possible path in two areas, but you can't, they can't be separated by a bloody loading zone. Yeah. If those loading zones were faster, this would be like total non issue. It was quite annoying because you have to wait such a long time for it to load. But, you know, I mean, they did the right modern game design thing, which is to say, you know, they gave me the illusion of freedom. They made me feel like I could explore anywhere I wanted. But actually, because this was critical path, they made sure to block off all the other ways. So I couldn't spend like two hours looking around and getting lost and being like, this is so frustrating. Where's the way forward? You know, it very quickly dead ended all of the potential ways because this was critical path. And then as soon as I was through that wall, everything opened up again. You know, but when there is a hidden wall that is critical path, they make sure to lock off every other way for that yeah, short so it's quite segment. Good. Sometimes you'll naturally find the hidden wall without even knowing you're looking for a hidden wall. Do you know what I mean? That, the flow is so good. That that's the thing. That's the thing. I I think, you know, for me, other than this one time, I always found it immediately because it was telegraphed in a very subtle way but either it was like i've played metro games before this is where it would be or they placed enemies such that you naturally try and shoot them and that reveals the hidden wall but if you fail to find the hidden wall you can get lost yeah for like five minutes no it was longer than that (laughs) so this is jaffe gate right no one's calling it jaffe gate except me i think but this is this is what david jaffe was bitching about like david jaffe was like this is amateur hour game design if someone came to me and this was in an interview i wouldn't hire them i would tell them to find another career you know like david jaffe was really dumping so hard on it another career i love that i I might be exaggerating a bit like please don't quote me you know quote here no no i love it anyway (laughs) find another career i feel like you've used that line in an interview (laughs) no when you've been hiring no I mean, I might have thought it, but I I wouldn't say that. I I think 
what David Jaffe actually literally said was like, it's Bush League game design or something. I don't know. He, he was very disparaging of it. But then there's a really funny video showing him. He, he's basically in exactly the same situation I described, where he went forward. He thought the path was blocked. I mean, he didn't even go through a loading zone. You know, he didn't even have to go through the loading zone situation. He walked into a room. He didn't realize there was a hidden wall there. And then he was frustrated because he, you know, he went the wrong way. But there's a really good like video rebuttal, which literally shows him complaining about how many other ways there are to go and how easy it is to get lost for ages. And it, it basically shows that every other way is blocked off almost immediately. Like there's literally nowhere else to go other than that room. And they really telegraph that in that room, if you just shoot, it will break the hidden wall. Like it's so obvious. They literally put an enemy like floating up. There's two enemies, in fact. There's one crawling on the ceiling and I think there's just some others floating up there. And you naturally would kind of like aim diagonally and shoot at them and that will cause you to break the wall. I, I, I think the problem also is just the way he was playing because he he wasn't shooting diagonally. It was, it was weird. If you watch the way he played, he, like, he would always like jump and shoot horizontally. So I guess it was some perfect storm of misaligned expectations but I, I thought it was just so funny how he doubled down so hard on it being bad game design you know it, de- it definitely felt like an old man shouts at cloud situation which is also kind of terrible for me to say i did see some gameplay where they just shot horizontally and i was shocked well i personally thought the hidden walls in this game were done very tastefully i i i almost think they were done too obviously what? you know like i I'll, I'm sorry. You know, it very rarely did the game surprise me with a hidden wall. Actually, that's not quite true. There are a few surprises in there. But the the critical path was so well signposted that other than that one time I mentioned, I basically never left the critical path. You know, I just always just happened to follow it. I, I, I can't explain why, but the game kind of managed to you know, it's like it was like I was following GPS. You know, you know, like when you follow GPS and you kind of switch your brain off and you're just like following the arrow. It was like that. You know, I never really felt lost. I just always felt like I was continually making progress. And before I knew it, it was the end of the game. Yeah. So you had to re- your pro tip for me was always seek out the critical path. You know, for me, I was I was exploring the levels, but you said always seek out the critical path and you'll get there. Well, I'm I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm saying in this game, that's kind of what I ended up doing. You know, I, I just kept following the breadcrumb trail because yep. it just seemed like the most natural thing to do. And, you know, for better or worse, I just switched my brain off and did it. I, I would well, actually, I guess switch my brain off is the wrong term for it. I think I was in some sort of flow state, you know, and it, and it was fun. Yeah. Subconsciously, you knew where you were going. Yeah. But, you know, is that a Metroid game? <laughs> You didn't need to engage your brain. I didn't. Yeah, I hardly explored. I really didn't explore very much. I just like kept going. Like maybe I didn't always take the optimal route. Like maybe it really wasn't like the critical, critical path. But like never did I stop and think, oh, I want to explore this area fully and like fully map it out. I just kept going. And, you know, sometimes I left things behind. Okay.
thoughts on Adam? Just just another room. <laughs> I mean, I don't have as much context as you. Yeah, I I think you're right. It's just another room, which is which is actually okay. I mean, for me, the Adam rooms did trigger some sort of like reaction because I think they're all that's left of the navigation rooms from Metroid Fusion, where the game basically said, go here and do this. You know, and I was just like, is this supposed to be an exploration game? You know, you're just telling me exactly where to go. I know exactly where I'm trying to go because that's how it worked in Metroid Fusion. And this is why I don't think Metroid Fusion was that good. But having said that, you know, I already just mentioned, I kind of just ended up following the critical path anyway. (laughs) But the fact they didn't tell me to do it made me feel better about it. Yeah, I suppose the Adam rooms give you some plot exposition. They're all right. Yeah, let's move on then. Let's move on to something more important. Okay, one last thing with the Adam rooms. You need that, you know, you need it. You need those rooms to sort of break up the game as well. I, do you know what I mean? Which, is, actually, which leads us nicely to the Emmy room. Emmy zones as well. Whoa, hey, wait, wait, wait. I think this is, this is an interesting moment then. Because I don't think you need them to break it up. Um. I, I think this is, this is one of the things about the feeling of the game that I think is interesting, right? And, and actually, this does tie into the Emmy zone too. So let's, let's merge these two things together, right? Metroid Dread, I guess, is about creating this feeling of dread. And the Emmy zones are, I guess, where you're supposed to get that feeling of being hunted. You know, you're a bounty hunter, but now you're the prey. Yeah. And then you've got, you've got these nice Adam zones where you go and have a friendly conversation and Adam tells you some stuff. Like, watch out for this, or this zone is about this. It's the energy production zone or something. You know, Adam tells you some stuff. But... Would it not be scarier and more isolating if there wasn't a friendly face telling you things? We need to reduce the dread. You need to make the dread manageable. Yeah, well... You don't like the Emmy Zones. I Actually, I don't like the Emmy Zones. Yeah, that's true. Imagine how much you'd dislike them more. You'd dislike them more if you didn't have Adam. Yeah, the, so this is the thing. Does the, do the Adam rooms add or detract to the overall atmosphere of the game? I'm kind of on the fence. but. My, my feelings towards the Emmy zones. Mm. So I understand why they're there. And they do evoke a very different feeling. You know, they do evoke that feeling of dread, of like fear, because you're, you're being chased by some implacable enemy. But forced stealth sections in non-stealth games are just kind of annoying. Do you not feel this? But you can blast through it. Yeah, so I think that's the thing. I... Maybe it's just that I had the wrong expectation, right? Approached in the wrong way. But for the first few, I feel like you're encouraged to stealth through them. You know, you're you're encouraged to hide. And I just died a lot. I just died a lot. And I eventually started just YOLOing through them. And that was more fun and more effective. And I and I think if the game had telegraphed that differently. That would have been better if it was more like you're being hunted, but you've got to escape. And the way you escape is by like, mastering movement and like outmaneuvering the Emmy. I would have like contextualized that differently from like, here's something that helps you hide, hide from the Emmy. And then you try and hide and it just finds you anyway and stabs you in the face. The annoying thing is that these Emmy zones are quite large, so you have to explore the space. 
So you can't really blast through them because you don't know the layout. Well, there's nothing to blast. I mean, like, I mean, blast like. Roll, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, okay. Yeah, I know what you mean now. I, I, I get what you mean now. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you're like, oh no, I have to go through the Emmy zone, and you were like, get me out of here as fast as possible, which is which is what they were aiming for, to be fair. Yeah, but then you also get the satisfaction of blowing its head off, which is you. That's how you get there, right? You know, you need that pain. Yeah, I, I, that's why I was saying, like, I do see why the Emmy zones exist. I do think they are an important part of, like, the feel of the game and of the pacing of the game. And you're, you know, you're changing it from, like, being hunter to being hunted to being, like, the hunter again. You know, like, all of this, like, change of pace and change of, like, emotion in the game is important. But also they do kind of annoy me. Maybe something for next time. You keep wanting to m- remove mechanics from this game. It can't. <laughs> really? You can't make it any shorter, right? But maybe something for part two. Yeah, I don't know. What am I? Yeah, what am I really trying to say? Maybe. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about it next time. It's just. Uh, it's just stealth. I. I think I just don't like. I just don't like stealth sections. I think if the whole game is built around stealth, that's different. But like games where they're kind of like, you're, they're making you feel like you're getting more and more powerful, and then suddenly they dump you in a stealth section, are just annoying. You know, like, why give me all these tools and then say I'm not allowed to use them or make them pointless? But I guess that that's a bigger thing rather than just this game. And yeah, the Emmy sections definitely had a purpose and they, and they do fulfill it. Can we just have a quick discussion about the map? Yeah. What do you think about the map? I, 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 what do you want me to say about it? Because it's, everyone talks about how important the map is in... Metroid games, right? And they're the best maps you'll ever see. I don't know if I'm going to say. But I don't have enough context to comment on that, actually. So, well, yeah, okay. So this is what I guess I'm trying to understand the line of questioning. Do you mean, like, the map as in, like, when you look at the map on the map screen, is it is it a good representation of the game world? Or do you mean, like, the actual world design? Like, the flow of all the rooms? Design we could leave a part two, 100%. And talk about the representation of the, the world. On the map screen. Yes. It was good, but could have been better. Ooh, could have been better. So there's some interesting stuff they do with highlighting hidden areas. You know, like the, the map actually the map actually has some nice iconography on it. Like it shows you, you know, this is this is an unknown, you know, blockage. You you need something you don't have yet to get through this obstacle. And it will just say like unknown whatever, right? Like unknown door or something. And then later on, when you have that, you know, item, it'll tell you this is a, you know, X beam door or this is a whatever kind of cover. So those are quite good. By which I mean, you know, when you then get that item, you can, you can think, oh, where were those doors I couldn't get through? And you can look for those on the map. But on the other hand, the highlighting is kind of bad, you know, like, particularly later on when I was like going on the item hunt for like, where are the missile pickups I didn't find? You can't like highlight just the missile pickups that you haven't found, you know, like there's a highlight icons button, but it doesn't really work very well to just like brighten just the ones I haven't picked up, you know? So like that was a bit of a chore, like going over it with a fine tooth comb later on. And then things that I thought were a nice balance. There are bits of the map that are like flashing white to say there's a hidden block here 
and that hidden block is going to reveal an item. But on the one hand, it was a nice trade-off, right? Because they don't tell you exactly where that hidden block is. They're just like, it's in this area. So there's still some exploration to do. But why are those ones telegraphed and not some of the others? You know, it's also a bit inconsistent. I'm sure this has gone through a load of focus testing and play testing and stuff, and that's the balance they settled on. But it feels like those bits were designed by playtesting rather than like mechanically. Okay. The map, yeah. In, I, I really felt that those flashing areas are inconsistent. Like, why are they there versus where to next? Yeah. I mean, maybe it is mechanical. Maybe it's maybe they're flashing specifically when a pickup is hidden in a block. And that's the mechanical reason. But that is still a little... I don't know. I, I guess it does make sense. But it's interesting because sometimes the times when the, the hidden, when the pickup is hidden inside the block, they're no easier to get than the times when the pickup is right out there in the open. But you still got to go through a bit of a puzzle to acquire it. But then again, given it's hidden in the block, you wouldn't even know you wouldn't even know the puzzle was there if they didn't telegraph it by flashing white. Yeah, on the whole, I thought the map was quite good. Okay. So next time we'll definitely talk about the, the world design. Shall we summarize? Yes, definitely. So so to end this no spoilers discussion, I will reveal I've already finished the game. <laughs> I I finished the game, I just did like a I guess like a natural playthrough where I played it without looking up any spoilers or anything. My final time was seven hours twenty-one with forty-five percent of collectibles found. Literally one hour of that, pretty much, was the final boss, which maybe gives some hint at how hard I found some of these boss fights. Because my last save, which was just before the final boss, the timer shows six hours, 27 minutes. So literally that pretty much one hour of time after the last save point until the end credits where I saw my final time, was trying to fight that last boss. It's pretty hard. So the, the game time counter includes resets. This is a really short game. Yeah, when, when you fail and you get the game over screen and, you know, and you can say, go back to the last checkpoint, that time is still counting, it seems. Because I, I wasn't sure of this either, but I know that I spent about an hour on the last boss and my clear time and my last save time corroborates that. So I guess they might be removing cutscene time, possibly. 
Possibly. It would make sense for them to not count the cutscenes because you can skip the cutscenes as well. I did also go back and 100% find all the collectibles. So my time for that is 8 hours 44. So I have a save file now that is like 100% of items found at 8.44. But for next time, I'm going to play it again. For next time I'm going to play it again, I'm going to try and do a sequence break slash speedrun kind of route. So I'm going to try and do a sub four hour completion time. So that's my commitment for next time. So I'll have more to talk about. <laughs> How about you? Um, I'm. You've told me I'm about halfway through the game. I don't think I'm tracking for a seven hour twenty one minute completion time. No, no, nowhere near that. I don't think. Maybe it's because it's felt like a slog at times. I'd actually be interested to know what the real time is. We can talk about that next time. But I really just got lost, if I'm honest. So I would end up in the opposite side of the map where I needed to be. This is interesting. Well, make sure you're noting down where this happens. Yeah, okay. I plan to do less of it. (laughs) But you're hopefully going to finish the game too? Oh, yeah, definitely. We've got momentum now. I've unlocked most of the power-ups. That's what it feels like, at least. I'm curious to see how you do on the final boss, given that it took me a freaking hour. But maybe I just suck. Maybe I was just doing it all wrong. Okay. And then, yeah, I mean, you did ask me earlier on, but I I did enjoy this game. I obviously did enjoy playing it. And I'm going to play it a little bit more. So, yeah, you know, it feels kind of like a hybrid of Super Metroid and Fusion and Bloodborne. So... What's not to like? Although, is that a Metroid game? I guess it's a Metroid game, you know. Yeah. It's just not Super Metroid, but <laughs> you've got to move on. You've got to move on. It's been 20 years. <laughs> yeah, It's been more than 20 years since Super Metroid. Isn't that horrifying? It's approaching 30. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. Are we really on Twitch? I <laughs> I did I did experimentally stream once again a few weeks ago, but <laughs> Would you like to be? In, really not would you like Twitch. me to be on Twitch more? I don't know. Should I advertise Twitch? Don't you don't, don't feel like you have to advertise it, but you know okay. it's still it's still there in the background. Okay, fine. I I always I always feel like I might do it again. I always I actually I actually feel like maybe I should stream things other than me playing Warzone badly. <laughs> actually, it's not even you that bad stream... anymore, you know. But <laughs> yeah. I was going to say you, you you should try streaming yourself when you're playing Warzone well. <laughs> but you walked into that one yeah yeah i keep thinking i should stream myself playing something like super auto pets or something you know okay anywhere else reddit slash r slash lost levels club you know while we're nitpicking if we're oh. nitpicking itunes has not had podcasts for years now you know you can't subscribe to oh. us on itunes you've got to subscribe to us on apple podcasts oh thank you 
<laughs> Thank you. If, if we're going to get snarky, if we're going to be pedantic... Oh, 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 I really hurt you with the... I'm really sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. It's fine. We've been doing the same ending spiel <laughs> for so long. So, Michael, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful that we've been doing the same ending spiel for so long. Do you know, it's been six years of the podcast. As of the time we're recording this, we're already more than six years old. Isn't that horrifying? It's both wonderful and terrible. So we'll probably talk more about that at some point, seeing as you want to. So Michael says bye. Bye bye. <laughs>